0: You're listening to All the Best. I'm Maddie McQueen, and I'm somewhat embarrassingly into astrology. It's not necessarily about belief. I don't really believe that cosmic objects are influencing my life and my behaviour. The actual reason I spend so much time taking note of where the planets are positioned, or reading horoscopes, or checking if Mercury is in retrograde, is that I need the guidance. I'm often overwhelmed by the endless choices of paths to self-betterment. How do you decide what to direct your energy towards in any given moment? I don't know. There are too many options. But then I open some astrology app and it's like, hey, today isn't the day for you to worry about your social life. That's a tomorrow problem. Today, you should focus on creating a routine. That'll work out better. Saturn said so. Sure, there's no scientific reason that Saturn being here or there is going to make me any better or worse at sticking to a routine. But the push to focus my attention on one thing, thanks to the guidance of pop astrologers, that helps. It quiets my mind and it keeps me grounded. We all try to find guidance in our own way. When she was going through a tough time, Bethany tried meditating. To kick off the episode, Here's Bethany leading a guided meditation.
1: Hello, welcome. If you're going through a hard time in any way whatsoever, then it's very likely that someone suggested trying yoga or meditation. Here's a little guided meditation to get you started. Please find a comfortable seated position. Shavasana or corpse pose is not recommended. We don't want you being too comfortable. Yoga and meditation are about finding the balance between effort and ease. Also, it'll look weird if you're lying on the floor and someone walks in, and you, you're in public, that's just unhygienic hygienic to lay on the ground. Okay, now let's start by taking a deep breath in, down to the diaphragm and expanding through the rib cage. Deeper, like your lungs are over-inflated balloons. And hold. Two, three, four. And exhale all the way, emptying the lungs. I said every last drop. That hurt? Inhale. Remember, this is your practice. Work to your own limitations. These are just prompts. You give away your autonomy so easily. Exhale. Do what feels right for you. Your body will tell you what it needs. Unless your body's in the business of lying to you. Yes, you do want dessert despite your stomach being on the brink of bursting. Don't go to the thing, you'll feel awkward. Stay up all night, you don't need sleep. Your mind and body are conspiring against you. But if your mind and body are their own entities, what's left of you? That's right, release your ego. And inhale. Feel the cool air tracing down your throat. Uncomfortable, isn't it? Allow your breath to fall back into a steady, natural rhythm. Notice the rise and fall of your belly. Acknowledge any sensations that arise, then gently guide the attention back to the breath. Found an itch? Don't scratch it. You're pretending to meditate, remember? If you scratch, they'll all know you're faking it. It's just nerves sending signals to the brain. No need to investigate whether or not something's crawling on you. Scan your body for any tension you might be holding. Can you actually feel your own body, the shape of the space you occupy? or do you only feel when you come into contact with something? A breeze, your clothing, more of your own flesh? If you cannot feel your own vessel, then is there really a self at all? Release the ego. Now slowly spiral into rumination and relive every moment you regret. When you hear a chime, Begin to bring your attention back into the room by deepening your breath, wriggling your fingers and toes, then gently rolling onto your side and curling up into a fetal position, hugging your knees to your chest. You don't care how you look anymore. Let the people judge you for lying down in public. Any sense of self-worth has gone right down the drain. You've just been forced to sit with your own thoughts and feelings because you don't know how to meditate and you're going through a lot. Proceed on your meditation journey with caution.
0: That was a guided meditation led by Bethany Gargett. Turns out her brother is an actual meditation teacher, so if you're keen to listen to an actual guided meditation that is genuinely calming, we've linked to one he posted on his Instagram
2: in the show notes. On October 26th, when Melbourne was celebrating the end of lockdown, a sacred directions tree was cut down on Djerburong country by the Victorian government. To make way for a four lane highway. Historically, directions trees were planted when each Jaburung child was born. Their placenta would be planted with the seed, and as it grew, the tree would become a place where they could turn for spiritual guidance. The next piece you're going to hear is a poem by Jazz Money, dedicated to the Jaburung embassy who are protecting the sacred trees. She recorded this for us the week after the directions tree was removed. Dumarang Nindigar,
3: Waradri Baladu, I want to offer my respects to the custodians of all lands where this broadcast may reach. My name is Jazz Money and I'm going to be reading my poem Sweet Smoke. This piece is dedicated to the humbling work of the Japarong Embassy with their blessing. They continue to fight for their sacred land despite ongoing horrific violence enacted by the state. I wrote this piece last year when I was feeling really hopeful about the protests, but in the past week the situation has changed horribly, with the felling of the directions tree to make way for the highway expansion. I'm filled with sadness and mourning at this news, but urge everyone to continue to protest this desecration and to fight to protect the remaining sacred trees. Once lost, they can never be replaced. I write this as a Wiradjuri woman in sympathy and in solidarity. Sweet Smoke It starts with smoke. It always starts with smoke. Mother's bird at the belly, swollen as the great trees, come to this place, painted and slow with a gasping gift. Canopy medicine to welcome the person on hands and knees whose new blood makes magic, makes the earth anew. The grunting sweat, almost terror, turns to bliss. As sweet cries wake the bush, wake first eyes. Sweated face becomes pure, like rain, like daybreak. When the world shifts from two set wet heartbeats, the wet orange womb glow, to bright white light, and the gasping bub of daybreak cries, there is white smoke. To clear the bush, to cleanse the air, to welcome wrinkled and felled as a new leaf. Sweet medicine, in the cool Amon, carried wet and green, And old hands born here too Know the way to ash tie belly knots. Clever hands don't forget this place Where life begins. Tell it to the bubs To pass on to theirs When strangers come When other trees fall Here is a vast hollow medicine tree This is where life begins. A tree so great has a memory so long. Can feel the, we- the way the air has changed. Hard rivers have formed in this bush. Black flat tile where great steel fish swim. Smoke turned dirty. And the river of destruction comes closer. White hands, white hats, white clipboards avert their gaze from her. Mark on gridded maps to bring death here to a place of life. And so it starts new, with smoke and familiar campfire. Sweet smoke for birth, for fight, textures change and languages combine. The old words remain, return. Medicine remembered, fires built the proper way. People gather, paint bodies, paint signs. She waits. She sighs, remembers the thousands she birthed here, sees them return, carrying ancestors, carrying bubs, carrying the weight of police and policy and time, carrying sweet smoke to keep her safe.
2: Thank you, Mandanguru. That was Sweet Smoke by Jazz Money. It was published in the literary journal Overland, and was runner-up for the Nakata Brophy Prize. For more information on how to support the Jaburung Embassy, head to dwembassy.com. You're listening to All The Best.
0: I'm Maddie McQueen. All The Best is a place for storytellers to learn how to make audio documentaries, essays and fiction. If you'd like to produce a story for the show, get in touch... Visit allthebestradio.com and send us your pitch. We'll pair you with one of our supervising producers to help make your story.
2: My favorite types of water slides are the ones that don't let any light in. You sit yourself in the flotation device at the top and then you launch into darkness letting the water guide you through a twisting, turning, pitch black tube.
0: You can't see where you're going, you've just got to trust the slide to deliver you to the bottom, safe and sound. Unless it's the slide in our next story, in which case that trust might be misguided.
4: hot december day was burning in the west and families sought refuge in the water park gushing neon slides zigzagged through the crowd while they hopped and skipped across concretes that alight by the sun shade was scarce by design the only source of cool air came from gazebos spruiking lemonade and ice cream at wartime prices bright colors melted together in the heat and became a thick hot liquid that you could just about drown in the water park was a well executed assault from the senses, insanity, and wallets of its patrons. Billy Everest was perched above the chaos, tending to a rickety, unpopular waterslide. He stood at the top of a winding metal staircase, watching, silently, as groups of four excited and frustrated and often sunburnt people climbed into an inflatable yellow craft. He would make them disappear with a nod of his head. But he never said a word to any of them. Billy had been a mute for as long as anyone could remember. He'd been a very quiet baby. Most people thought that he couldn't talk, that he'd been born without a larynx or opinions, but the truth was that Billy Everest didn't speak because he had magic in his head. It made sense that he applied for work as a waterslide attendant Strong, silent types filled the position all across the park and all across the country. And actually, at the top of just about every water slide in the world is a quiet old soul who says all they need to with a nod and occasional grunt. You may also be aware that all water slide attendants everywhere are at war with teenage boys. Miscreant youngsters, punks, hoodlums, never-do-wells, And red-hot December days are when the fighting really kicks off. It riles the boys up, makes them angry, confused. Normally, their delinquency is focused on their parents or teachers, but 40-degree days are handed down from above. Teenage boys just don't know who to blame, so they rebel against the world at large. Inland water parks are rife with boys like these, and four of the very worst now teemed about Billy's stool... These boys had run rampant all day. They splashed people in wading pools, they cut in lines, they dacked each other, they littered, and they went down some water slides backwards to prove a point they didn't know how else to articulate. Billy waved them through. He smiled at the boys and each of them, for a moment, forgot who they were and smiled back. Such is the magnetism of Billy Everest and the magic in his head. He nodded and the boys disappeared. Billy Everest watched the world through a lens that's, well, it's difficult to explain, especially given that he doesn't speak. It's a kind of ineffable, uh, modern medicine isn't really capable of, uh, black and white CT scans can't capture all the colours and basically he's weird. A good weird. He absorbs, he adores, he vacuums up every sight and sound of the world around him and turns it into a symphony in his mind, like a euphoric and infinite opera that only he is watching. He didn't dare talk out of respect for the performers. Oh, that didn't help. Alright, it's like this. Imagine walking through a busy place, like an airport or an inland water park, and just letting the world roll around you. Imagine watching as the people and places and sounds and colours live their lives in fleeting glimpses to your left and right. A narrative unique to you is born, played out and dead in an instant. You become a fish in the ocean with the sea rushing past and you quickly lose yourself in the power and the wonder of the symphony of the tide. That's how Billy Everest feels all the time. That is the magic in his head. And on this particular day, in this particular symphony, the plot was about to escalate. Concerned voices crackled through Billy's radio at the same time that screams echoed upwards from within. He swan-dived into the tunnel. And you might think that diving, I mean actually, literally diving, like a swan, headfirst into an unknown danger, is a bit drastic, maybe a little rash. You might be more of a wait-and-see kind of person, and fair enough. Your brain is not like Billy Everest's brain. No one's brain is like Billy Everest's brain. Something comes over him when there's a crisis. An instinct to help, to solve, to save. It's immediate, automatic. In a standard day at the water park, he'll rip, drowning kids out of the deep end, resuscitate senior citizens, sterilise wounds, find lost wallets, find lost children. And all of it without a word. All of it with a smile. The magic in his brain turns the world into a show, and that show, of course, must go on. And so that is why, when his radio crackled and he heard screams echoing upwards from within, without even thinking about it, Billy Everest swan-dived into the tunnel. This waterslide was not particularly special, but it was a zany shape. It looped and swirled at the start before entering a period of inexplicable grace around the middle. There, the tunnel spewed out into a slow, narrow whirlpool. It was the architect's vision that screaming passengers would take a breath here as they spun, as they whirled, and reflect on the absurd and cyclical peaks and troughs of life but the average water slide-goer, especially the teenage boy variety, has no time for poetry. The boys, the hoodlums, hated being tricked into introspection, resented being made to whirl, and they thrashed and jumped about in so reckless, deviant and luckless a fashion that their raft became wedged in a bolt. A rickety bolt. A structurally important bolt right at the end of the whirlpool. And the boys weren't having any of that. They bounced and smashed around harder in the dark, in the heat. They punched at the walls of the world that encased them. They hammered away at the zany waterslide's weakest point. And this bolt, is connected between the whirlpool and the rest of the slide, was vulnerable. Not just because of some pseudo-aquatic metaphor made by some long-forgotten high-minded waterslide architect, but because of gravity and basic engineering. And in time, the rickety bolts began to fracture. The bolts around it were exhausted. And the whole panel split. And the boys felt a breeze. Which is one of the worst things you can feel in an enclosed water slide. The universe stopped shaking. Their raft was the only thing that connected the whirlpool and the rest of the slide. They were suspended, hung. The raft made the barest of contact with either split end. The boys were stuck, it seemed, in midair. There was a ten-meter drop beneath them, with no water at the bottom. The slide groaned, and they stayed as still as possible, None of them moved. None of them talked. All of them pined for their mothers. Billy Everest arrived with characteristic quietness. He wasn't afraid. In fact, he was quite amazed. It was quite a show that he was getting, and that show, of course, must go on. Uh, can you help us? One of the boys said. Silence. It lingered. Are we going to be okay? yelled another, screaming over the sound of the groaning slide to make sure the figure heard him. Silence. Are we going to die? screamed the third boy, who was the weakest-willed and worst actor of the group. Silence, again, was the fourth boy's turn to speak but all of the good questions had been taken. So instead, he opted to gulp loudly. The water was screaming out from the whirlpool and the whine of the rivets and load-bearing beams became louder and louder, almost deafening, and yet the silence of it all was agony. None of the boys seemed able to put words to the reality of their impending death. It was the elephant in the water slide. Desperate, drenched and seemingly doomed, each young man tried to hurriedly make peace with himself and repent for all the splashing. Slowly, without a sound, Billy took a hold of the slide's split ends with his hands and he pushed the craft carefully with his feet. It slid precariously, across open air. It slid slowly. It teetered on the edge. And with a sudden, powerful kick, the inflatable yellow craft was set free. It skidded down the remainder of the water slide at a hectic pace and erupted out the bottom. The boys then did their best not to cry in front of the audience that had assembled to watch the tragedy unfold. Not one of them littered for the rest of the day. Billy slipped out the bottom of the slide quietly, as per. And as the queue of relieved, would-have-been waterslide-goers descended the metal staircase, thanking their gods, gasping in horror at the slide's split, hands over mouths, hands over hearts... They saw Billy Everest treading water. From above, it looked like some very thin, golden rays were leaking out his ears. That was probably just a trick of the light.
2: That story was produced by Gus MacDonald. The supervising producer was Ryan Pemberton. Special thanks to Dr Helen Wolfenden. Our final story is by comics maker and
0: illustrator Campbell White. It draws on his memory of growing up along the Durbel Garragon.
5: This city was built on wetlands, bodies of water breathing in and Out over thousands of years. Now the city breathes and flows with its own rhythm, and yet the wetlands are still there, waiting. Patiently under the ground. Sometimes when it rains, they remind us. One time as a child, down at the river during the rains, the lakes all overflowed and changed shape. Water flooded the plains. Lakes rejoined the river, a fine mist settled low, and I lost my way. Until I spotted a familiar tree and a bridge in the distance. I kept my eyes on them as I wove my way around these new forms until I eventually found my way home sometime in the future when we are nothing but an echo of a shadow the wetlands will again take back what was always theirs breathing in and out. In
0: That was Campbell White reading Bodies of Water with sound design by Ryan Pemberton. You can see the comic on campbellwhyte.com.
2: All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. All the Best is made at FBI Radio in Sydney in association with SYN and 3RRR in Melbourne. This episode was mixed and compiled by Julian Wan. Our executive producer is Ryan Pemberton. Mel Chun is our Victorian state coordinator. The All the Best community coordinators are Chloe Gillespie and Danny Stewart. Our SYN community coordinator is Lee Robinson. Matilda Fay and Angela Moran are our social media producers. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at cbf.org.au. A special thanks this week to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia who just awarded us the 2020 CBAA Award for Excellence in Creative Audio. You can find more episodes by searching for All the Best wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Maddie McQueen. Thanks for listening.